2: We are told that we should go out and share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ to Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. And if you're a young believer or a new believer, you maybe wonder what exactly does that mean? Well, essentially, it says to share initially in your, your local neighborhood, in your immediate sphere of influence, your friends, your family, the people that you work with, your next-door neighbors, things of that sort. Then a little bit further beyond that, a little broader realm of influence. And then also to have that sense of of passion and burden and prayerfulness for people in other parts of the world that perhaps don't look like us, don't speak like us, don't think like us, but nevertheless for whom Christ died. And that's the world evangelism aspect of that uttermost parts of the earth. One Bay Area church that kind of has that down pat our friends over in Redwood City at Grace Bible Church, and with us today in studio is Pastor Steve Converse. He is also, by the way, the speaker on Graceful Truth, heard on KFAX Sunday afternoons at 3.30 p.m. And Pastor Steve, good to see you again.
3: Good to be here, Craig. I just got out of prison. I was in prison for a week uh, they finally they,
2: caught up with you. Did they, they? they caught up with me. Yeah. <laughs> no, I,
3: I, I played the Apostle Paul, so I was
2: chained to a Roman guard all last week for our VBS program. Fantastic. <laughs> so it's good to be free. So good, good to, to be, be here free. With you. Good to see you free once again, <laughs> and uh, and uh, and uh, hopefully on the, on the straight and narrow. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's talk a bit about that sense, that burden that your church, in particular, has. Um, a lot of churches focus on the uh, the Judea and Samaria part of their ministry, mm-hmm. and, and rightfully so. They have been called to minister to an area, a neighborhood, and reach that area, help grow the body of believers there, provide shepherding, discipleship, so on and so forth. But that greater vision of the uttermost parts of the earth, some churches do a great job at it. Some churches don't quite have it on the radar screen at all. I'm curious, in your case, specifically related to Grace Bible, why is that on your radar screen?
3: Well, it 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 always has been. As far as the inception of the church, the church was actually founded as a missions church. It was started by a group of businessmen back in 1948, I think, and uh, they were attending a local church in Redwood City, and one of them had a I think a relative who was a well, A missionary with some organization and the church they were going to was an American Baptist Church and uh, when they brought up the subject of bringing their nephew on and supporting him as a missionary um, the denomination wouldn't allow it. So these businessmen quietly kind of left that church and started Grace Bible Church as a non-denominational Bible Church in which they could support whoever missionary they wanted. And so uh, it's it's always had that missions flavor um, but to be honest it's always been about um sending the check very good at supporting the missionaries that came up through our congregation as they went out we even support the retired missionaries still even though they're retired we still issue them uh checks every month and we just feel that's part of our our commitment to them um but it was probably uh 10 years ago we had a a individual started coming to our church who was from india and he was working here in the bay area and eventually uh was married and and uh his his him and his wife began coming to our church and he brought up the idea of have you ever thought of going actually on a missions trip to some of these places you support and i thought sure that'd be great you want to organize it and he agreed to do that and so uh the first trip that we went on was uh, back in i think 2014 we went to we were supposed to go to thailand first and then india but there was a lot of political unrest in thailand so we couldn't go so we ended up just going to india And uh, he knew growing up there a ministry that uh, uh, he was able to validate, and there's a lot of needs over there, and sometimes you don't know who to support. And so it was uh, very gracious of him to kind of point us in the right direction. And so we went over in 2014, my wife and I and uh, him basically from our church, and just kind of an exploratory mission (laughs) to meet these folks. And we did, and um, they have a home there that ministers to – about 180 250 children and uh, a lot of these children are orphaned they have no parents at all and uh, almost immediately my wife and i uh, fell in love with these these two sisters who had lost their parents and so we agreed to kind of bring them on and uh, help support them and uh, when we came back and we kind of shared this vision with the church it was amazing to us to realize that wow Uh, people really responded to that. And within a matter of months, we had uh, our church, through individuals in our church, uh, were supporting up to 20 of these children who had literally no support at all. And so it was a very uh, eye-opening experience. And uh, I remember coming back and and realizing that, wow, they have so many needs over there. Um, One of the first things i had to deal with when i came back was we were remodeling a playground and we had to spend $50,000 on this playground and i thought i can't do this <laughs> you know this is this is not right but you know the elders you know we all kind of got together prayed about this and reminded ourselves we have to have a strong base from which to send and and that's you know you got to strike that balance you can't you can't uh, uh you have to minister to the people locally as well and uh, so our, our church has always had a history of doing that. But
2: How, how radical was the impact in terms of the difference between simply sending the check versus going and seeing? Well,
3: I, I guess I'll say this. When I came back and we gave our little presentation before the church about our trip, um, my wife got up and, and shared you know, her view of what she saw and everything, and, and it was very emotional. And I got up as pastor, and I'm not – very much an emotional guy at all, <laughs> and uh, I don't cry very easily, things like that. But I was weeping in front of my congregation. I couldn't control myself as I was telling them about the needs over there, and that's that spoke so much to their hearts that wow, this really affected you, and it, it really it, it 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 helps you grow in your appreciation for what you have here, the blessings, the running water, the the toilets, the all those things. Uh, and yet you realize that it's not all about that. And to these, these folks that we minister over there who have little or nothing, um, material things don't mean anything to them. They really don't. They don't have a, a affinity for such things. Uh, the two gals that we started helping, we – took him to the mall one day and we're trying to buy him some clothes oh we don't need that we don't yeah you do your shoes are in bad shape you know and it was almost you had to force stuff on them and they were very grateful but they just live in a whole different uh, world you know and it affects your ministry here because it it causes you to fall to your knees and be grateful for uh, you know the, the church that you do have and 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 all the facilities and and the technology and everything that's just at your fingertips. Is
2: it fair to say then that it, it breaks your heart for what you see going on, the need and the opportunity from the overseas perspective and then gives you a whole different viewpoint in terms of what you have here, what you do here, how enormously blessed you are here?
3: Yes. Yeah, it does. It really does. And at first, when you go over there and you see these needs, you, you, you want to help Especially if you're a fixer like me, you want to fix everything you want to help everything you can. The need is so great, you know. Um, for every child you help, there's 50 standing in line that aren't going to get any help, you know. And it's it's a really gut wrenching process that you go through when you you're trying to figure out okay where do we put these resources because you know you could have all the resources in the world and dump it over there and it would still probably wouldn't be enough because the need is so great but you know like i said what what is more important is you realize that you know what yeah they're they're lacking in material goods and maybe basic things for everyday living but the one thing they're lacking the most is the gospel the truth and and when they connect with that and when they come to understand that Nothing
2: else matters. They just want to be taught the truth. There is that sense of, of a tremendous spiritual hunger about mm. them. We talked about this mm-hmm. a bit off the air, mm-hmm. that notion that while they might not be able to identify how to satisfy that spiritual hunger, they might not, in terms that we would understand from a scriptural viewpoint, um, acknowledge um, sin, salvation, sanctification, all of that, uh, nevertheless, there is a thirst to be connected with God. The, the, the difference is um, whether we understand that God came down mm-hmm. in the form of Jesus Christ and became man and dwelt among us and mm-hmm. suffered right. eventually on the cross for the fulfillment of Scripture that through that suffering, that shed blood, we might be reconciled might obtain forgiveness and walk in fellowship with the very God himself. Mm-hmm. And yet for a billion Hindus in India, most of it is about trying to reach up to right. multiple gods and in many respects try to appease God. I, I recall one time in India um, complimenting a little boy in front of his father, and I was quickly scolded and told, don't do that. Mm. And I thought, well, gee, he's just a, he's a cute kid. Hey, what a cute little boy. No, don't do that because you might make the gods jealous right, right. by complimenting yeah. the young boy yeah. and not complimenting the, the gods. gods yeah. yeah, they have a whole different perspective.
3: And it's, it's a spiritual need that is, I mean, yeah, the physical, the material need is there, uh, food, all those things. But the spiritual need far outweighs that because if you get the spiritual right, God will take care of his children no matter where they're at and and once they once one of these young children comes to christ and they understand who their savior is and they understand who the god who created them was and they realize that hey you know what he is a father to the fatherless and he is a provider for those that don't have sustenance and what happens is everything else fades away and they're just they're hungering after the word they're they're so hungry for the word of god over there and your heart breaks because you know, I was a, a youth pastor for several years b- before um, I got into to, to pastoring a church. And I remember going on the youth mission trips. And, you know, it was all about painting rooms and building, you know, whatever. And, and those things are, are great. But one thing that was lacking was the message of, you know, the gospel that, that we could change these folks' lives. And, yeah, maybe they had a new building when we left. But uh, I, it was definitely lacking as far as the, the message and, and the, the spiritual nature of those trips. And
2: pastor Steve Converse with us today in studio, senior pastor at Grace Bible Church and also host of Graceful Truth, heard Sunday afternoons at 3.30 p.m. right here on KFAX. We'll take a brief time out, come back to more of our conversation right after this.
1: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
2: Welcome back. Pastor Steve Converse with us today. He, of course, is senior pastor at Grace Bible Church located in Redwood City. And uh, you can get more information, by the way, about both the church ministry and the radio ministry, Graceful Truth, which is heard Sundays at 3.30 p.m. here on KFAX. Simply go to gracebibleonline.org. That's gracebibleonline.org. What is your sense in terms of the response to the gospel message? We spoke just before the break about the idea that um, mankind, in an effort to try to either appease God or um, reach up to God, goes through a lot of useless motions, uh, a lot of frustrating things, uh, lacking the understanding or the awareness that God came down. Once that message, however, is delivered... What is the sense of what you saw in India of the receptivity to the good news that you don't have to appease 330 jealous gods that are out there that could be angry at you for any time, God up in the heavens with a stick ready to beat you over the head if you dare cross him in any fashion, but rather a loving, kind, compassionate, just God who loves his creation so much that he sacrificed his only son because he wants to have fellowship that he, in fact, longs for relationship with us more than we do with him. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I the, the response
3: <clears throat> really is the same whether it's here in the United States or in India. You know, growing up <clears throat> as a Roman Catholic, I mean, I can identify with a lot of what they go through in trying to appease God because that's what we did. And so... You know, you, you have to come to terms and understand that, you know what, any response that you get from people is going to be a response that God generates. You know, it's not based on, you know, which, which track we share with them or what, what the, the message is. It's is, is God working in their hearts. And, you know, we have to be true to share the gospel that Jesus did come down and that he does, like you said, long for that intimate relationship uh, with his creation. And, and that can happen when we turn from our sin and turn to the Savior who died on the cross for us. Um, and, and once that happens, there's a renewed, there's a transformation that takes place. You know, there's a new way of thinking, There's a, there's a new desire, and it replaces all those performance goal-oriented desires that were before. And for the first time you realize, wow, you know what, you can come before God and you don't have to do the
2: dance to, to get the hug from God. Yeah, the you the know? revelation <laughs> of that shift from, from a, a guilt-filled life, a totally. guilt-motivated life to a grace-filled life um, is pretty revolutionary, isn't it, just it in is. terms of impacting every aspect of one's life. I mean, we normally think in terms, of, as you've shared, of um, you know our, our financial well-being and our, our situational well-being. But I think for a lot of people, once their spiritual well-being has been handled, they recognize, hey, we're not laying up treasures down here anyway. They're all being laid up in heaven. That's right. It's, it's all
3: about <clears throat> having that proper perspective on, first of all, who God is, and then secondly, who we are. And, and once you get those two right, that, that God is holy, that God is just, that God is perfect in every way, yet he desires a relationship with us who are not we 're we're, we're sinful beings at the very core, and we need a remedy for that and that 's where the story of the gospel that Christ came down and and and, and gave his life um, for us that that we can put our faith in his sacrifice so that we don 't have to continue to uh, sacrifice in those those areas as far as you know we, we can 't go before God and appease him with with giving our own life because it wouldn 't be a perfect sacrifice, only Christ can do that and the Bible says that, that Christ was the only sacrifice once for all. And once you understand that, it allows you to kind of relax a little bit in your relationship with God to realize that, wow, that's why the Bible says that nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Because, you know what, it's God who established that relationship with us. And even if you know, we were given the opportunity over and over and again without God's direct intervention in our life, we would never come to christ we're too prideful we're, we're, we're too filled with sin you know it's god who does that work in our hearts and and really that that theology of the sovereignty of god helps you deal with some of these hard issues when you go to the mission field and you see all this suffering and you realize you can't fix this and yet you have to Still, put that under the sovereignty of God. For whatever reason, God is allowing this to happen, and maybe you can help in a little corner of the world somewhere, but you're not going to make all poverty go away. I mean, Jesus said that himself.
2: A lot of this is also demonstrative, I would imagine, of the need for very clear, very foundational structured Bible teaching? Mm -hmm. And I ask that question because mankind loves to head off in multiple directions, and Scripture warns us about those with, you know, itching ears that are just Mm -hmm. looking for teachers that will say things that uh, make make the sin less real. And I would imagine, particularly in an environment like India, where there is the influence of cults, the occult, Mm -hmm. Hinduism. Uh, diverse aspects of, of spirituality that, when someone comes to faith in Christ, that a firm foundation of solid discipleship really becomes important, doesn't it?
3: Yeah, and it's it's no different for them than it is for us. It's true. Isn't <laughs> you know, we see that in a lot right. of churches, yeah. right? I mean, Absolutely. You know, unless you're you're teaching the, the fundamentals yeah. of the faith, you're you're teaching your folks, who God is and who we are and and how that interaction happens in, in basic doctrine and theology. You know, I've talked to some people, we don't teach doctrine, you know, people would be too bored. I said, what do you, you know, what do you mean? You know, how can you have a church and not teach about the God that has given us the church? So it's, it's, you know, faith without knowledge, is is really no faith. I mean, you have to have both. You have to have doctrine, faith, and and all that comes together in our Christian lives. And so over there, they don't have the resources we do here. You know, we can go on the internet and pull up any commentary probably at all in our software or whatever. They don't have that. They don't have the books available even in their own language um, to study. So all they have is maybe one copy of the Bible, and they treasure it. And yet they're they're so re- re- relied they rely so heavily on the on the holy spirit to lead them and guide them um that it's it's also important for us and that's one thing that god has kind of laid on on my heart as a pastor for these pastors that there's some up in the the foothills there that you know they don't have anything any resources and so when we go over there we hold a pastors conference and they 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 come down and it's kind of unnerving because here in the united states you know we want every I dotted every T. Well, what time am I going to speak? And and they're like, well, they'll show up, you know, and and you know maybe it's going to start at kind nine of, in the kind morning. Kind happens organically,
2: yeah. <laughs> and, and maybe
3: by eleven thirty, you're actually starting, you know, because there was a mudslide and, and half the pastors couldn't make it. And you see these guys arrive and they're they're covered and they're wet, they're they're muddy. They they've they've walked miles. To come hear you speak at this little conference, I mean, it's very humbling. And, yeah, they're so hungry. That's what they desire.
2: It also sounds very first-century church. Mm. Uh, you you, you joked yeah. about being in jail at the start of our conversation yes, yeah. today. And I, I, I think of Paul's many experiences in jail and, right. and how there were many that would travel for miles and miles and miles to come and hear mm-hmm. him yes teach and speak of his real-life encounter with Christ on that road to Damascus right. in that sense that the church in India today is very much a reflection of what the first century church looked like, not only in terms of I think the purity of its faith. Mm-hmm. Nobody's coming to Christ because they've got a promise that if they do so, they're going to have a Cadillac in the right, driveway. Right, so right. the word of faith message doesn't, doesn't work, work there. over there. That much. And then, too, the notion that As Scripture tells us, count the cost. Mm -hmm. They have to count the cost. This is not just, hey, welcome to the club. Mm -hmm. Let's sign you up for a membership class, and next week you can be part of the bake sale. It's rather understanding you can be ostracized from your family. Mm -hmm. You can be rejected by people that you work with. Socially, yeah. Um, You can suffer extremely for your faith. Some of these stories that we've heard that come out of various parts of India of severe persecution against believers, everything from the gambit of losing jobs to having acid attacks where Mm -hmm. people have acid thrown on them, simply because they have surrendered to Jesus Christ. So it becomes a becomes a real faith doesn't it in yeah. every sense of the word
3: yeah just last year a brother's a brother of one of the the pastors that we were ministering to over there went back I think the story was to his homeland and he was ministering and um, was
2: killed because of his faith because of his Christian
3: faith and over there that's just yeah you know he's with the Lord and, and it's interesting it contrast is.
2: because we we think of India in terms of It struggled to come out from underneath the British Empire after the Second World War Mm -hmm. and the efforts of Gandhi and democratization of India. And yet for all of that and and, and even supposedly a constitution that allows for Mm -hmm. religious freedom – I'm using the air quotes here for the benefit of listeners – the reality is that there isn't that much religious freedom and that people are persecuted – because they name Jesus as Lord and Savior, both at a societal level and at an institutional level, every day in India.
3: Yeah, and and that's something you see happening more and more with the the current government. Um, There is a Christian hospital that we went to, and uh, one of the the guys that goes to our church, his brother, was the head of the the medical staff. So uh, at this hospital, it was founded by someone from uh, England years ago, And when we were there ministering, uh, it was amazing to me. At the beginning of the day, it's kind of built in the round. So they have all these clinics all the way around. And in the the middle, they have a big um, auditorium. So all the people, sick people, come there. The first thing they do is they have a a devotion. And so we were able to go, and I was able to speak to them encourage their hearts, um, give a devotion to all the medical staff. And then you see all the sick people come in. And as the, the sick people come in and sit there and wait for their number to be called to go see their doctor, um they have evangelists that come in, like maybe twice a day, wow. and open up the Bible and preach and give out scriptures. I mean, it's so you you see parts of India where it's it's a real struggle, and then you also see parts where, wow, you see this going on, and obviously it's it's okay. <laughs> I mean they're they're not shutting them down uh, because of the impact they're having on on the health. And the welfare of the local, the people,
2: and of course, the irony is not unlike communist nation like China, for example. Um, e- even if we were, from an institutional level, from a governmental level, actively trying to shut down the church. Mm. Uh, all that would do is add more fuel to the evangelistic fire, Exactly, yeah. as China has learned. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the the interesting contrast that by the end of World War II, by the time the communist Chinese uh, took over un, under Mao, you had maybe, mm-hmm. best estimate, 80,000 right. Christians in the country. They jailed the pastors. They kicked out the missionaries. They shuttered down all of the churches and all of the seminaries. And fast forward 50 50- years. Five, sixty something years and now they say i don't know 800 million christians who knows how, what the 80 million christians right. yeah. who knows what the number looks yeah. like today
3: yeah it's all underground and that's that was it was kind of our theme for vbs paul rome paul and the underground church and, and the one thing that we're sharing with the children is you know there's parts of the world where they don't have the freedom to come and go to a vbs or do this or do that and, and it was very eye-opening for them to realize that wow this is a wonderful country to live in, that we have the the freedom we do.
2: makes you not only appreciate the freedoms, but hopefully also appreciate our faith as well. Yes, yes. Take a time out. We're going to come back to more of our discussion. Pastor Stephen Converse with us today in studio from Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. Information, by the way, online about the ministry at gracebibleonline.org. That's gracebibleonline.org. Church Meets Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. for morning prayer and then the worship service at 10 a.m. And again, uh, the radio broadcast Sunday afternoons at 3.30 p.m. right here on KFAX. Details, gracebibleonline.org. A brief timeout back to more of our conversation right after this.
1: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
2: Welcome back. Pastor Stephen Converse with us today in studio, senior pastor at Grace Bible Church. We've been talking a bit about a recent missions trip there and just the impact, uh, Pastor Steve, on not just you as the pastor, but the trickle down of the entire church where you not only begin, as you suggested, to appreciate more of the enormous blessings that we have here in the United States, but then, too, the enormous need that there is overseas. And while we can focus on contrast between utter poverty and great wealth and riches the real need the need that should interest most of us as christians first and foremost is the spiritual need mm-hmm.
3: yes yeah and that's you know a part of that is you know as a church when we send them uh gifts at christmas time these, these children or we we um, help out with their different programs they have uh, throughout the year at this this certain mission um you know, we do that to show them the love of Christ, and and that's
2: that's that's the addressing felt James, needs aspect. Yes, exactly.
3: Of the yeah, yeah. James speaks to that. You know, you, and so it's important to do to do both.
2: And, and um, funny how sometimes we in the church get real good at one or the other. Yeah, and boy, a, we can do the best altar call in the world, but not so great when it comes to meeting felt needs or aspects of the church that do a great job at the work's end in addressing felt needs, and the whole evangel side kind of becomes an afterthought, right.
3: sadly. Yeah, it's a balance. It's a, it's a balance. And I think that, that Scripture lays that balance out for us if we're just willing to follow.
2: it. am <laughs> curious, you, you think about things like uh, Jesus feeding the 5,000. Right. Um, and we talk about the the miracle of the loaves and fishes— mm-hmm. But that's only half of the story there. The whole story was that Christ not only addressed the felt needs, right. but did so in advance of then getting up and sharing with the entire gathered throng Definitely. who he was and why he came.
3: Yeah, and he he, uh, the message he shared with them at that time was, was not one that even probably his disciples understood, the idea of denying yourself and taking up your cross and following me i'm sure they thought at some point what are you doing jesus you're going to turn people away this is not really a good marketing <laughs> yes this is not here. the way to win yeah. friends and influence yeah. people jesus yeah but that's that's the balance i'm talking about is that we can't we cannot compromise the gospel the gospel is very clear um
2: so it's not either or it's both and it's both it? and
3: yes yeah. totally yeah,
2: yeah. In part of your travels, uh, you also mentioned to me that you have been to Thailand. Mm-hmm. And what a fascinating contrast there. Even even though still part of Asia, mm-hmm. uh, there is a dichotomy, I think, in Thailand that you see some aspects of material wealth and that kind of big city feeling. Mm-hmm. And then you see areas that are very poor, very rural. You see great religious influence and then you see some of the greatest worldly debauchery that you can ever imagine the worst that you'd ever see on TV yeah
3: when we went to we went to bangkok first and uh sort of our missionaries were and and we were able to meet up with them and um, it is it's truly really a beautiful country i mean even parts of bangkok are just beautiful uh, but then you have those parts that are just really really unkept and and it, it's sad to see people living in these conditions, um, but I think the the main part of our, our our ministry was to to minister some to some children at this one village um, outside of Bangkok, and we drove for several hours, and uh, we met up with one of the uh, ladies there uh, who was part of the whole sex trade operation in Pattaya. As a young girl, she was taken from her village. this town Patia and and sold basically as a prostitute there and um, the parents benefited from that and so there's that's just a common practice I mean it's hard to understand how people could do that but that's what they do and so we were able to go back to this village where she was from and she was had since been saved in Patia out of that lifestyle but once they get saved out of that they have no means of income and usually they'll have several children Uh, And they have no means of support. So what our missionaries do is they they take these genuinely converted, uh, usually they're women, and they'll take them back to the village they came from and set them up with a business, Uh, maybe, you know, with a $10,000 grant or whatever. And uh, she found out that she was a baker. And so we were able to see her new bake shop there in uh, this village, on a main thoroughfare and it was just a shell i mean it was a nice building but there's nothing in it just a little glass case and she had a little espresso machine or something that she was so proud of but it was a beginning for her and uh she worked there and she'd make wedding cakes and all these uh, different baked items for the community and they would pay her to do it and then it was so interesting you know because they lived very meagerly obviously but then she would take this money to support her ministry every day was to to have children from the after they got out of school, they would come to this bake shop and she would hold a Bible study with them she would have a ministry with them. And, you know, you had 20, 30, 40 kids there every day. And so we were there on a Saturday and so they all came out kind of like for a backyard Bible club. And um, and it's neat to see that these kids are being reached for Christ before they get sent off to this sex
2: trade thing. That and I think too, the sense of of giving back, that she had been rescued out of the debauchery of that sex trade and is now actively working help prevent kids from being sucked into that vortex.
3: Right, right. And it, it's, it's so uh, sad. So that was one of the, the, the ministries that we were uh, be, were able to go visit. And then we actually went down into Patia, this, this town that's known around the world um, for its, its uh, promiscuity and its prostitution. And um, just driving through there, it, it just turns your stomach. Um, you just see bar after bar after bar, um, middle-aged men hanging out, waiting to, you know, uh, kind of tr- try to have some kind of a relationship with these these young people and boys and girls. And it's, it just breaks your heart. And, you know, that- there's
2: been talk about this in terms of... Um- the EU, the United States yes. government, cracking on, cracking down on so-called um, sex tourism, and uh, Thailand itself also saying that they were going to get engaged mm-hmm. in doing more to try and, from a legal standpoint, um, uh, reduce it. But it, it sounds like, in spite of those efforts, it's it's thriving. Pretty, well, it would have a devastating much. effect on the economy of that
3: because that's all it's known for. I mean, there are people from all over the world. That's all the only reason they come here. A tragedy. And it's a lot of it now, apparently, is, from what I heard, is is controlled by the the Russian mob. Hmm. They have their hand of influence there. So it's kind of a weird setup. But as we, we drove through there, I'm thinking, where are we going? And we get to this little storefront, and uh, it's their church. And so uh, during the week, it acts as a child care center. For all the the women's kids that work in the bars, they they send them to this childcare center. But on Sunday it becomes a church, and so they set up for church, and we had a wonderful service there, and I was able to preach the gospel uh, with them, talk about Zacchaeus, and it was, it was a really it was right before Christmas, so they had all the Christmas decorations up, there. but it was so interesting to get up and and speak before a congregation of. Prostitutes and transgender people, and I mean, it's just not your local. I'm not used to that, yeah. so it was
2: very eye-opening. And yeah. yet, and yet, yeah, the message doesn't is, change it, exactly. There's that passage of scripture, <laughs> yes. and so were some of you. Yes, exactly. Uh, you know, but yeah. for the grace of God, I mean, and, and, I, and maybe there's also in part there a lesson for the church in America that sometimes we like to remain. In our ivory towers, Mm -hmm. we like to remain in our um, uh, suburban areas with the neatly manicured lawns and the freshly painted buildings. And, uh, well, we just had new neon put inside of the Mm -hmm. cross. It glows so beautifully at night, you should come see it sometime. And we're very proud about some of the temples that we have built for God. And yet, uh, they're empty.
3: Yeah. The the unfortunate thing, I think, for the modern-day church is the identity is in their stained glass and their sound systems or the presentations they do on Sunday. It's not in Christ, you know? And so it's, it's so important to get back to that. And it doesn't matter where you go in the world, whether you're in downtown San Francisco or here on the peninsula or over in India or Thailand, people have the same needs, especially when it comes to spirituality. We're all sinners. The Bible says we've all fallen short of God's glory. We all need a savior to remedy that. Um, and, and so we need to pray and we need to work toward that end of getting the gospel out
2: and, and really seeing him transform the people's hearts for so their eyes are opened. Pastor Steve Converse with us today in the studio, senior pastor, Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. More information on the web at gracebibleonline.org. That's gracebibleonline.org.
1: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
2: Welcome back to our visit. Pastor Steve Converse today in studio, senior pastor at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City, speaker on Graceful Truth, heard Sunday afternoons at 3.30 here on KFAX. Information about both the broadcast ministry as well as the church in Redwood City, online at gracebibleonline.org. That's gracebibleonline.org. Interesting, that passage. We're all sinners um, and fall short of the glory of God. And yet sometimes we think, well, that means that all of us who live in America are all sinners, or um, all of those people over there that are prostitutes are sinners. No, God doesn't differentiate, does he? No, he doesn't. It's all of us. <laughs> I, I, There's
3: no <laughs> exception to that list, is there? I, I share with the folks often on Sunday morning, the only difference between me standing up, you, up here on this platform and you sitting down there as I'm facing North and you're facing South, <laughs> that's we're, we're, we're both, we're all sinners. Yeah. We're all in this together. And, and I think that, you know, it's unfortunate. I think today in our churches, a, a, a lot of, we we've adopted this celebrity mentality, you know, kind of, well, it's a pastor, you know, and I, and I always remind our folks, look, you know, that's just a title. Okay. I mean, it's a calling granted, but um, you know, uh, I'm I'm right on the same plane with you all, and we're all working together for the common good of the gospel. And uh, you know, except by the grace of God, there go I. So you know, it's that it's that it's that reality of uh, I think being transparent with people, and being willing, um, even as my my wife and I sometimes will we'll counsel other couples, and you know, you hear these these heart wrenching stories sometimes they share with you, and they and they're kind of surprised when. They hear back from us, well, yeah, we've dealt with that too in our relationship, you know, and, and uh, still do sometimes. So it's, it's that transparency, I think, that uh, unfortunately is, is lost a lot of times in ministry.
2: Part of the problem, too, that we, we tend to, and this is just the human condition and sin nature, focus so much on ourselves and our needs and our wants with, you know, capitalized, underlined, italicized, and bold that we sometimes fall short of the recognition that at the end of the day, it's really about him Amen. and what he did on the cross and and God's willingness to come down and meet us at our level. I mean, when you think about the notion of of Jesus taking on sin, mm. yeah. a holy, pure, righteous God, it, it's mind-boggling. And... So it should be. I don't think mm-hmm. it's anything on this side of the veil we will ever going to fully begin no. to comprehend. And if anybody no. said that they fully yeah. did understand <laughs> yeah. God's grace and God's love, yeah. I'm going to call you to face a liar. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, now we see through a, a, a glass darkly. Right. But that idea that maybe we need to, as believers, uh, put more of the focus on him. Mm-hmm. And,
3: and that's the, the wonder of the gospel, isn't it? That God would save me not only that God would save me but God would choose to use me in any way because mm-hmm. he doesn't need me he doesn't need you he doesn't need any of us but he he chooses in his grace in his love to use us for his glory see and that's the key it's for his glory it's not it's not for ours you know i i, I walked away a long time ago from the idea of building a huge church with lots of people i said you know what? i just want to do what god wants me to do and if that's 50 people if that's 100 people then i'm good with that you know, I don't, I don't have a problem with that because that's, that's his calling on my
2: life. You know, um, and the measurement at the end of the day really is about one's faithfulness, is it not? Exactly.
3: Yeah, and, and that's where you know my heart is, is: is to stay faithful to what God, as a, as as an individual, as a congregation, as a church. Is called us to do
2: does the church become less effective because sometimes and i I mean the church both as an institution as well as the body of believers because we tend to be focused on the numbers game well your church only has 500 but this guy over here has got 1500 so what is he doing right that you're doing wrong or you know i only make so much money and somebody else makes a lot more so i must be doing something wrong that sense that we we tend to want to use um Humanistic yardsticks to measure our success in life or the nature of our relationship with God when, in fact, God, if anything, eschews the notion of using any of those world yardsticks to measure who we are. I mean, it kind of gets back to, okay, Jesus, so when you get up there, who's going to get a chance to sit at the right hand? (laughs) Right. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And we we forget that Jesus said narrow is this way. Mm -hmm.
3: It's not broad. You're not going to have hordes of people you know to to a message that's true to the gospel um you know and 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 we try to as, as i try to as a pastor to stay true to the word of god i mean we're not the only church on the block i don't have a corner on the truth you know i have the same holy spirit every other christian does but i just am unwilling to compromise what god's word says even when i don't understand it completely i tell the folks that i don't get this but this is what it says and um, you know, and that is so. I think important to have that commitment to truth, because either God's word is what He says it is and declares it is, or it's not. And if it is, then we have no business setting that aside and using the music as the preference for the church or the youth ministry. No, it's it's what happens with the word of God. Well, the life is in every the word. Sunday. Uh, yes. I
2: mean, that's the bottom line. And you can put on a great show. Mm-hmm. And get a lot of people to show up on Sunday morning. Exactly. And, and and I've argued that, well, uh, yeah, maybe you can do that. But if that's the yards that they weren't going to measure, then I think it can be reasonably argued that uh, Mr. Davis does a far better job <laughs> yes, because you know. he fills his auditorium yes. a lot quicker and a lot faster, and they actually pay to get in yes. on the average Sunday morning in Oakland compared yeah. to the average church in the Bay Area. Right. So it it all comes back to... Where is the focus going to be and how central to what we are doing in the preaching from the pulpit, the reading from the pew, the living of life is God's word to who we are. Right. And a majority of, of churches in America are under 100 people. I mean, we,
3: we fail to understand this, you know, that, that, that most of the churches are not mega churches.
2: You and know, funny, I looked in the Bible and far for between. stories about mega churches in right, first <laughs> century church. Yeah. There are not. Yeah, right.
3: and that's what I often tell people: you know, we forget they met from house to house. You know, and, uh, you couldn't fit a couple thousand people in a house. So it, it goes back to the idea of you know what? Just being faithful to what God has called you to do, and not just as a pastor, but as a, a Sunday school teacher, as a, a youth ministry leader, as as someone who's greeting at the door, uh, folding bulletins, helping in the kitchen, wherever you're serving. Just be faithful to what God has called you to do. I learned that early on when I was a youth pastor. We planned these big events, you know, expect two hundred kids, and five kids would show up for whatever reason. And we had all this stuff. And I remember the the, the youth workers asked me, well, should we cancel it? It's like, no, there's there's ten kids here. We're gonna do the best we're gonna do the same thing we did with ten kids as we did with two hundred. And you know, God, God really appreciates that kind of faithfulness, you know, and that commitment. It's, it's not about how many are in your congregation. It's just being faithful to what God has called you to
2: do. Well, and, and never knowing within that realm of influence who might be there. I mean, Christ poured out his life continuously for three and a half years mm-hmm. to a ragtag group of 12 guys, right. most of whom couldn't get an interview, let alone a job with a Fortune 500. We wouldn't have hired them today. (laughs) right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, And yet there they were, and they carried on the legacy, the spiritual legacy that has influenced the lives of every one of us to this very day. And so this is not to suggest that a church that's been successful and and has seen numerical success is somehow doing something nefarious to achieve that or something wrong. Not to say that at all, but to suggest that at the end of the day, the yardstick, the measure is not based on what's going on numerically in the pews, but what's going on in the hearts of individuals. Exactly, and what they're doing with the Word of God. Precisely so. Speaking of the Word of God, so tell us uh, briefly what's going on with the Word of God over at uh, Grace. Well, we've been in
3: in our uh, study through Romans... So we we just started. You can uh, be there forever. In that Well, book. this is our wow. 116th message in, so. in the book. <laughs> like, to prove my point. Thank yes, you. <laughs> we're in Romans chapter 12. So we've just gotten out of Romans 9, 10, and
2: 11, which was. And you uh, take you take a almost a Dr. McGee approach to this, verse, three, by verse, verse by verse, yeah, methodical, yeah, love yeah, it, yeah, good yeah, expository yeah, basis. Just
3: take my time. I, um, you know, I was nervous at first when we went through the Gospel of Mat- Matthew years ago because I thought oh, I bet you the people are getting restless or whatever, and kind of took a little. Uh, you should have tried the book of Leviticus. Yeah, so yeah. The Ask thing. some <laughs> questions. There. No, no, this is good. So we just continue through it. So I, I, it just works for me to do that because, uh, you know, I'm not creative, creative enough to come up with something new every week. So for me it's just, well, it's the next verse. we got to deal with the next verse. Plus it keeps you true to the text, and, and that's so important. And along those lines, I mean, we have a lot of different things going on. We have a, a women's ministry that uh, my wife leads with um, – uh, she teaches several studies each week on, on Tuesday mornings and Tuesday nights. Uh, they're going through Genesis on, on uh, Tuesday nights. On Tuesday mornings, she has two studies, actually. One, they're dealing with uh, biblical self-confrontation, which is a, a wonderful study, kind of biblical counseling kind of stuff, and then also another study on Revelation. And uh, they hold these conferences for for women, which is, is kind of interesting, and it all deals with uh, hermeneutics how to study the Bible wow. and sometimes you know churches forget I mean it's, it's important for men to understand that stuff too, but uh, they, they go through the Simeon trust and, and we have a speaker come out every year and just a, it's, it's just a delight to see you know with ours and a couple other churches you have 40 50 women for the sole purpose of Friday night Saturday understanding how to study the Bible and uh, you know whether you're a Sunday school teacher or anything like that, uh, it's just a, it's a wonderful opportunity. Um, our men meet once a month for a, a Saturday breakfast, and then we have a Men in the Word ministry that meets on the second Thursday of each month. And uh, right now we're going through uh, – we're almost done with Exemplary Husband by Stuart Scott. And mm-hmm. now it's been a, a year-plus study we've taken our men through, but that's been good. Um, we do have a, a a conference coming up in November. Uh, we, we're going to start a, a new conference series every year, and we're going to call it a, an Equipping Conference – and so the, for this first year, um, November 10th, 11th, and 12th, we're going to have back with us uh, Justin Peters. I don't know if you're familiar with Justin Peters' ministry, but he's a um, uh, a preacher, uh, lives up in Idaho, actually, um, but a wonderful man of God, and he's he has cerebral palsy. And so he went through that whole process in his Christian life of entertaining the idea that God's going to heal him and finally came to the conclusion that, no, he's not, <laughs> And so he's, he does a uh, series of studies on discerning uh, God's will and discerning good teaching. And he does a whole expose on uh, uh, the word of faith movement and how that's harmed uh, the church in general. And so he's, he's specifically in November, he's going to be speaking, he's going to do a, a seminar on uh, the Reformation and Catholicism and how that, that all works together. But that's going to be uh, – it's free. Uh, it's going to be November 10th, 11th, and 12th. And uh, he'd be actually a good good guy to get on your radio it program. sounds like he might. You can look him up, Justin Peters' ministry uh, on, on, the, uh, on, the, on the Internet. And uh, so we, we launched a new church app this last year. Um, you can look that up, GraceChurch-CA, and it uh, just allows you to hear the messages or even to give uh, to the church, uh, to the radio program, whatever.
2: And that's available for both iPhone and uh, yes, Android. Yes, both. Yep. yep. So you can go to the Google Play Store yes. or to the iTunes Store yes, and exactly. get that. And that's Grace gracechurch-ca dash dash from yes. California, yep. obviously. Yep. Lots of good stuff going on over at Grace Church. And again, if you want to find out more about Grace Bible Church of Redwood City online at gracebibleonline.org, that's gracebibleonline.org. The broadcast again Sunday afternoons at 3:30 p.m., Graceful Truth with Pastor Stephen Converse right here on KFAX. Pastor, always good to visit with you. Good to have you. Thanks good to for be here, Craig.
1: Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Media Group. All rights reserved